Hello and welcome to a bit of a weird episode of Freelance Party Broadcast. Today, Jess and I Hiya. are recording from our houses. Jess, where are you calling from? I'm calling from my sofa. Um, it's quite quiet in here. I'm in Wales, which is quite a change from London, but I decided to come up here to be with my boyfriend and then it's just like, we're so far away from anyone else. It feels like the perfect place to be in isolation. <laughs> where, <laughs> where are you? Well, I'm currently in the guest bedroom surrounded by loads of clothes and things like that because I needed to find a quiet place that my dog wouldn't disturb me. That's my <laughs> current situation. Well, it's good. I'm pleased you're here because we have a really good episode today as we're joined by Ryan Barnett, who's the Economic Policy Advisor for the Association of Independent Professionals and the Self-Employed, Ipsy. As our listeners may know, Ipsy is the sister company of Freelance Corner, which means we work in the same office as Ryan. How are you coping away from us, Ryan? <laughs> I'm more productive. I'm <laughs> more confident in the clothes that I'm wearing, which largely means shorts because I don't have to see anyone. Uh, yeah, that's that the main issue. Yeah, it's quieter, mainly. So I noticed that you're wearing a shirt and I just want to check. Are you wearing trousers or are you wearing a shirt with shorts? I'm wearing <laughs> jeans. <laughs> just checking. So Ryan eats the weirdest lunches in our office. For example, whole bags of spinach and pickled herring. So the first thing I want to know is, have you stockpiled? Um, this is only, I do actually have the herring, <laughs> which you can see, although you can, no the viewers way. can't see. Uh, I do love herring. It's very good for you. Uh, Swedish. And yes, I have a broad range of veg and some chicken. Did I, tell, did I, I, feel I put it on Twitter. Um, my dad, he phoned me up to see how I was and I sort of said, yeah, I'm fine. He's like, you got any food? You got, I'm like, yeah, I've got loads of tins, loads of veg. Loads of good stuff, loads of rice and pulses. And maybe because my dad is over the age of 50 and male, I don't know, his reaction was, oh dear, he hasn't got enough meat. So he turned up at my house with a steak, some salmon, some chicken and a dolmio. That sounds brilliant. <laughs> I love that. And a dolmio. <laughs> That's so good because when I went to Tesco the other day, I mean, before we went into lockdown, people were stockpiling way before. I went down the meat aisle and I've never been so thankful to be vegetarian. So I went down the aisle and it was completely barren apart for a pack of prawns. Yeah, I wouldn't worry about the pickled herring though, Ryan. I'm sure you'll still be able to get that. Yeah, I don't see that going. It also lasts until May. Oh, brilliant. In it for the long haul. So where are you calling us from today, Ryan? Uh, my, my living room yeah, at home. It's funny. It's got an extractor fan in the back <laughs> of your living room. <laughs> it, it's a kind of combo. There's only two of us in the flat normally. Right, okay. So onto the serious topic of what freelancers are now entitled to. We are recording this the day after the Chancellor's announcement for more support of the self-employed. So can you run through what he announced for anyone who may have missed it? Sure. So the package that was announced firstly looks a lot like uh, a fund idea, a proposal which Ipsy came up with last week and put to the Chancellor ourselves. And it's not too dissimilar to what employees get. So um, if you are a sole trader importantly, and you have made less than £50,000 profit in the last few tax years up until 2018-19, the last time you would have submitted a tax return properly, you are entitled to a grant which should equate to anything up to £2,500 a month for the next few months. Obviously, that leaves out limited companies and rather importantly, people who have become self-employed since April last year, there is also a wait until June. So that there are a few problems there already. Right. That's uh, so importantly, they said that your trading profit has to be below fifty thousand pounds, and that the majority of your income 
has to be from self-employment. Um, mm. I wonder if you still get the other benefits that were announced, like the sick pay, stuff like that. Can you still claim that? So no, you can't claim sick pay if you're part of this scheme. You might be able to, if you are if you run a limited company, you can pay yourself sick pay. But this scheme is only for sole traders. So um, yeah, people that aren't running a personal service company. There's two distinctions, yeah. If you have a limited company and therefore you can't access this grant, what can you access? You can access universal credit, which comes with its own uh, limitations. You can access a series of business loans and grants, uh, including the business interruption loan that was launched through the British Business Bank. And we think, we're not entirely sure, that you may be able to furlough yourself. Furlough is this word that's come from the US recently. It's never existed in Britain beforehand. Basically, you're sort of laid off um, waiting to come back to work. And we think you might be able to do that to yourself in a weird way and pay yourself the employment scheme instead. But this is really early days, so the details still being worked out. And the government's language is may be able to furlough yourself on their website, which isn't massively helpful. Gosh. Yeah, it sounds so confusing. Yeah, a very confusing time to be self-employed for sure. It definitely will be bad for those people who fiddled with their books a bit and can no longer qualify. I think this shows how important it is to be honest on your tax return. But will there be anything else announced for those that don't qualify for this grant? We really hope so, um, particularly those that have become self-employed recently. I know a lot of different people, people are engaged through work and also in a personal capacity, who've become self-employed in the last year, some in the last few months, and they don't know where they stand. You know, if you've stopped being employed, or another example, what if you've taken a maternity gap over any of that period? There, there are a lot of different tweaks that we need ironing out. So there is this set of people that will hopefully get some more government funding or some kind of measures rolled out in the next couple of weeks because it's becoming increasingly obvious that they're being left out. Uh, there is also a prob- the problem of those that earn, because it's a flat cap, right? There's no tapering at £50,000. If you earn £51,000 profit in 2018-19, you won't qualify either. So it's just a cliff edge. I don't think that's particularly fair, and I don't think a lot of people will think that's fair. So once these issues are teased out, hopefully the government will start laying out more measures. It feels like there's two separate ends of the spectrum, and it's only the people in the middle who are benefiting from this. And the Chancellor said uh, that this will help 95% of those who have the majority of their income from self-employment. But I don't see how that's true. What, what do you think about that? That's a good question because, there, you know, sole traders um, are quite, I think it's about three, three and a half million uh, off the top of my head of those that are self-employed, of which are about five million. And so, no, that, that doesn't, that's automatically not uh, 95%. There's a distinction, though, because if you run a limited company and you're a sole trader, there are two things that are different. And in our sort of common parlance, that's how we refer to them. But there are other people refer to those that are self-employed as only those that are sole traders. Right. So I think if you take the limited companies aside, sole traders, um, most of those will get them. The ones that don't are the ones that earn over the 50 grand. Right. OK. And we, we don't know if there's going to be anything announced for those who do have trading profits over £50,000. No. Um, we When we spoke to the Chancellor, we have, and I think I'm, I'm, I imagine a lot of other organisations have outlined that a tapering system to say the 50 grand is the main cap. And then if you earn over more, more than that, you can access to less, say, up to like 70 or 80, for instance. Uh, and that would probably be quite fair because it's not so much the people that earn 80 grand that you have to worry about 
as much, although there are concerns there. I can come on to that in a minute if you want. But it's not really fair on someone that earns 50 grand and 50p, in, you know, and or 50 grand and 1,000 pounds on top of that as well. That's a massive cliff edge. And that, that could really put your business in jeopardy. And it doesn't look very fair. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested because I know a lot of people listening to this will be thinking, God, I wish that my business turned over or had a profit, a trading profit of over 50 grand. Do they need the money? So I'm, I am interested there what you said about the people who are earning kind of 80 grand, etc. So, I mean, bear in mind, in some instances, people do pay other people from that profit. That profit goes to other things, you know, business costs. So an example could be running a pub, for instance. You know, these things aren't cheap. Although at the same time, £50,000 earning that profit after your expenses and things is still quite a lot of money. Where the problem really comes in is that this, the funds that we sort of come up with for our proposal and what the government put together is built for the next few months, right? But we've spoken to people, particularly in the arts, so people who are freelance, uh, writers, filmmakers, producers, musicians, all sorts. They're worried, not so much, I mean, they're worried now, and they're worried about the run-up to June, but they're particularly worried as well about what happens next. People are looking at work being cancelled a year in advance. I've heard people who have lost 80 to 100% of the work they've got booked for the next year. And these industries can't just be reanimated at the drop of a hat. They are going to take a long time to get back on their feet. So ticking them over is great. But what happens after the next few months? Because we also don't know how this is going to play out. The economy is pretty much falling apart in front of us and the government's pumping money into it. But it's not going to take a couple of months to just spring back. It's going to take probably a couple of years. You should treat it like a war or a normal recession, like the last one, where it took a while to recover. With your conversations that you've had with the Chancellor and you know with other organisations, how, how long do you foresee this support going ahead? How long will freelancers and employed people be able to claim this? So they should be able to claim it to the start of March. And the initial idea is for three months. Um, so March, April, May, or April, May, June. That again, was a bit of a murky area because a lot of people started losing work in March. I know people that work in events that lost it the first week of March because everything started getting cancelled. And then beyond that, the scheme will have to probably have to continue. I don't know if the government want people to go on to the welfare system. We've already seen the strains on universal credit, 500,000 people signing up in the space of four days or whatever it was. And then, but what does the government do after that? These people, I mean, people can go back to their jobs, but if self-employed people, so an example, EastEnders, right? If EastEnders can't film in all, until August, what do you do for July? You know, what happens in October? Uh, the Premier League, that, if that doesn't come back properly for months and months and months, what do you do if you run a burger van for instance yeah no you're absolutely right this will affect so many different kinds of people um one question i did want to ask you just about the um trading profits being above 50 grand do you have any examples of business owners or or businesses or you know whoever self-employed people who normally earn over fifty thousand pounds like the the kind of industries that that would affect a very broad range there are some in construction uh sort of of all different sizes. Uh, as I said, a pub. I know someone that's run a pub that will be over the taper. I spoke to someone actually on another interview this morning who I think she actually ran some sort of like yoga personal trainer situation and was just under the cap. You know, that's quite a lot of money for what I mean. A lot of the examples are given in um, finance, people earning stuff. I mean, the, the like, journalists as well, but there's a very broad range, you know. 
people the income distribution is is massive and it's it's not industry specific it depends how much work you do yeah so when you were said about the economy um looking to that you know it's likely it's collapsing around us as you said what would what would that mean long term for freelancers because if there's a recession would you expect i know you know you do the freelance confidence index and you probably are more clued up on the economy of freelancing than than well anyone I know. <laughs> um, so what do you expect to happen for the world of freelancing? It's, well, there is a positive case out there, right? So freelancers tend to be people who are passionate, skilled, driven, adaptable, and have transferable skills, right? They often, they've got a, fingers in many pies, as they always say. These are the kind of people that you want coming up with startups to build ventilators and uh, dive into a project in the NHS project management or to you know design an app or something that's useful these people can be moved around and, and, and they're very useful and the, so there could be work out there in the next year or two years because some of this stuff might take a while however if a lot of these industries aren't supported in the way we hope they will be long term and things really grind to a halt you could see people leaving freelancing i mean in general people leaving employment and you know, becoming destitute, that, that's a real risk. Uh, um, there could be a rise in homelessness, all those sorts of um, things that happen in a, any recession. There's also the, the rollout of IR35 has been delayed a year. So, and we've already seen a massive hit to business confidence in our own survey and beyond. So you do wonder, you know, those arts-related um, jobs and, and construction, these things won't take, they'll take a while. So um, you could see some serious malaise in the economy in general, but also freelancing, but there are opportunities there. And from personal experience, freelancers are very innovative. So hopefully people can find a way of still making money and keeping on their feet. Right. Okay. That's so interesting. I think that's my worry. That is my concern that this will see, you know, a downturn in freelancing. One thing I just picked up on from the Chancellor's announcement was at the end, he said something about how if the self-employed want equal help, they need to equally pay in. And a lot of people on Twitter are like, well, if I have to pay 10% more tax and get, but I get sick pay, holiday pay, blah, 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 sign me up, I'll do it. What do you think the Chancellor was referring to? Kind of assumed IR35, but what, what was he referring to? And what do you think that means for the next budget? Well, the budgets are coming about once a week at the moment. So. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Fair play. <laughs> um, he's only been in the job six weeks. Uh, um, in terms of, so it's actually more of a reference probably to national insurance payments. IR35 is kind of part of that conversation. And in fact, the, one of the major arguments against IR35 is that people were going to start looking like employees, but not get that kind of support. Shared parental leave is another one that we've been arguing for, uh, and maternity pay and things. So the, the argument basically boils down to the idea that employees pay more national insurance than the self-employed. However, employees don't, if you look at it, because a lot of, some of that comes from the employer, an employee doesn't think, oh, I've lost an extra bit of tax or an extra bit of money that's gone to the government because my employer's paid it. You do not think about that, point one. So if you take that away, actually self-employed people pay slightly more into national insurance contributions. Then, of course, you've got the trade-off. So we, we are employed, we get expenses, we get holiday pay, we get sick pay, right? They have to pay for that themselves. They don't get sick pay. And we know, we know from our research that self-employed people don't take time off properly. They don't rest. They're working around the clock. They've always got the, 
And that, that can make them great at their jobs, but it also can affect their mental health, their family life and everything else that goes on. So there is a trade off there. And people are right to say, if you want to charge me tax on, on top and we already pay a fair amount, you know, it's not too different to an employee. Great. But I want sick pay because one thing for the, this crisis has highlighted is that self-employed people need more support from the government. Right. OK. So once this this virus is over and we're all back to um, being in our offices and everything else, what does Ipsy want the government to do to support the self-employed? Well, I mean, there's, there's the conversation about whether if taxes go up, I think there, there will be a conversation to have for some of that support that I've mentioned. Um, but the things that we've been arguing for anyway, which we think they should have entitlement to, particularly shared around uh, parental um, policy, so shared parental leave, um, also changing employment status, because as I am th- I35, the rise of the gig economy, you know, um, all these delivery companies, it's thrown up these grey areas where people and their, the rights they get from either being an employee or a self-employed person are quite confusing and sometimes can be abused both by individuals, but also by other firms hiring people. And we would like to see a simplification and an update of employment status to make sure some of these things are better understood legally. Uh, And then, yeah, I mean, a scrapping of IR35 would be nice, or even at the very minimum, a a recognition from the government that they're trying to make people look like employees and not give them more rights, which is awful. Uh, Beyond that, who knows? We'll see where we are in a few months' time. Okay, that's so interesting. But it's also sad that it's taken a pandemic for us to realise self-employed people need more help. Yeah, totally. And um, more generally as well with sick pay, I think one of the MPs on Twitter said uh, it's it's horrible. It's taken a pandemic for us to realise that people maybe don't, they shouldn't get sick pay after being sick for four days. They probably should get it from the first day because it's not actually that hard to roll out. Yeah, this is really going to change the way, in the same way that the Second World War did. The way we look at support for people, the main example from the Second World War being, oh, yeah, oh, God, <laughs> women could do jobs. <laughs> like in the Second World War, one of my favourite stories is that um, women built Waterloo Bridge. Yes, that's true. And the, the only other fact I know about that, I think it's Waterloo Bridge, is it's also the only bridge of the whole Thames that was built on time and in budget. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> that's my favourite fact about the bridges in London. <laughs> And we emerge from that with a welfare state, women entering employment, um, all kinds of changes to, you know, teenagers. You could be, you could track teenagers back to the end of the Second World War. And I think this will, the same sort of thing will happen here. People are arguing for universal basic income, all kinds of services. The NHS is going to get a lot more money. People will want that continued. Care as well. You know, the trains have been nationalised basically overnight. All these sorts of things will need changing. And our attitudes to each other as well will change. I, I just quick mention, and not, it's not particularly on topic, but I got really emotional last night. And I think a lot of other people did at eight o'clock when you put your head out the window and see everyone clapping yeah. and stuff. Oh, no one did it around here. Really? Is that because yeah. you live in the middle of nowhere? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was just some sheep, but you didn't know if they were actually supporting the NHS or not. <laughs> I shed a tear. It, it was really emotional. Our whole, I live down a cul-de-sac. And the whole close came outside and like all clapped and things. People were saying they had their lights on and off and things like that too. And it was really just, but it was also at the end of it, people were going, oh, you're at the end of the road. How are you getting on? And things like that. And there was a real sense of community. No, it's great. Yeah, you're right, right. There's a lot of stuff that might come out of this that will be good. And yeah, as you say, if it helps the NHS, 
Um, maybe we're going to find these billions of pounds that Boris promised the NHS after Brexit. Maybe we'll finally find it. <laughs> well, I think they've, they've been found and they've been invested. Yeah. The amount of money that's being rolled out. One mention as well, I know that there are criticisms of the current package, but actually what the UK has done for employees and self-employed people is pretty much on par in terms of what is being given out to Norway, which was like the benchmark before. Much better than what the, the Americans are doing, much better than what the French are doing. So that is a good thing. But we, we would like more. We would like more people to have access to this as well because we're worried about them. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Um, the UK is doing superb things at the minute. Let's hope that it works because I know with the universal credit before the announcement last night, one of my friends went to sign up for it and she was like 10,000th in the queue. And then when she got right to the front, the whole website crashed and she couldn't claim it. She was like, I've been reloading the screen for the last like six hours or something. And it just, she mm. couldn't get through. They've now increased the capacity to be able to give out universal credit as well. That was another kind of announcement. And there's a new helpline for the self-employed that has more people working on it, blah, blah, blah. But I ju- yeah, I just, I hope that this scheme, they say, this grant, sorry, all you have to do, they send you a, an email, you fill in an online form, and then the money's paid straight into your account. And it sounds far too simple for HMRC. <laughs> There's a problem brewing there, I think, but I hope not. Yeah, it's complicated. And I think that's part of the reason it's going to take that long is because they're insisting on writing to everyone because they're a little bit concerned about fraud and handle, mm. and also handling of the claims. As you said, the Universal Credit site, was it 500,000 people in four days? People are worried and they're looking out for all this information. And I think the government are like trying to just handle things. You know, and also this scheme is quite hard to build. One of the ministers briefed, it was a bit like whack-a-mole because <laughs> they deal with one problem and then be like, oh... <laughs> Because there's little complications and there's still loads more, as we can see. Um, even the way it interacts with the universal credit, there are problems, how much money you might get. So that's probably right, the reason it's going to take a while. Um, can I do a plug? Can I, can I just point people? Because we've got a lot of information up at the moment on the website. Go on, go for it. Have a plug. So uh, my colleague Alistair, bless him, has put his heart and soul into a fax page that's getting updated daily. The website did have a few problems because we've had a lot of traffic from people, but we're trying to put as much information up there at the moment about what's available out there from the government, from other schemes. So I know a lot of the musicians and trade bodies around the creative industries have hardship funds. We're going to put some of that out there. Money saving experts, great. And uh, hopefully over the next few weeks, we'll be able to peel apart some of these problems and give you more information as we go. But it is tough at the moment. Great. So what is the what is the website you haven't even said? <laughs> oh, have I not? Sorry. Uh, Ipsy. So, yes, www.ipse.co.uk. Yes, it's IPSE. So it's www.ipse.co.uk. Just for anyone that doesn't know what we do, Ryan. You've got to... <laughs> 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 oh, okay, well, they, that's so interesting. Really, really, really good to have you on and chat about all that. Excellent. Well, thank you for having me. So sadly, that's it for this episode and you'll be able to find out a lot more information on the show notes below and on Freelance Corner. Thanks for listening to Freelance Party Broadcast. Join Freelance Corner, the online platform for UK's freelancers at freelancecorner.co.uk. Subscribe on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. Please like, share and leave us a review and let us know what we should quiz an expert on next time. Thanks so much, Ryan. Thanks, guys.